Welcome to the Podlight. I'm Joseph Jihaz, senior reporter at San Jose Spotlight and co-host of the Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. In the wake of federal prosecutors alleging that the top administrative employee for the San Jose Police Union was part of an international drug smuggling ring, many questions are being raised about the organization's ability to keep an eye on its own operations. Joanne Segovia, the 64-year-old office manager for the San Jose Police Officers Association, was charged with attempting to illegally import a form of the opioid fentanyl, a drug which has been responsible for spiking the number of overdose deaths in the Bay Area and other regions in recent years. Federal investigators also outlined a host of other international drug smuggling allegations against her, including that she used her home and work computers, as well as her work email, to carry out the ordering of thousands of opioids and distributing them for several years. To talk about the allegations, our guests today are William Armaline. William is a director of the Human Rights Institute at San Jose State University, a professor of sociology and interdisciplinary social sciences, and the criminal justice chair of the NAACP Silicon Valley. We'll also be welcoming LaDoris Cordell, a retired judge, an author of a memoir titled Her Honor, and the former independent police auditor for the city of San Jose. Welcome, William. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks. It's uh, great to be here. So let's let's get started with our first question. We just want to know what was your initial reaction to these allegations uh, against Joanne Segovia at the SJPOA? Uh, well, uh, I think I was joined by pretty much everyone else in the region in the country and being pretty surprised. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I'll be very short with that. I was shocked. I was surprised, um, and it sounds like that was most people's reaction. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, of course, just the seemingly very opposite um, value systems, right? The SJPOA has been an organization that has um, been one of the leaders of the drumbeat of talking about the the dangers of fentanyl and other opioids. Uh, and meanwhile, this employee, this top administrator for them uh, has been alleged of, you know, being involved in this international drug ring. Uh, within their office. Yeah. And and let me be kind of a responsible scholar here for a minute too, and say that, um, you know, I am not surprised and we collectively should not be surprised to see um, law enforcement corruption or law enforcement tangential corruption uh, related to the drug war, um, related to illicit drug sale and and the, um, the money and the influence that that all comes along with. Uh, you know, we can point to endless cases uh, in uh, agencies across the country, federal and local, uh, you know, where where cops get involved in the, the very business that they're supposed to police. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. So I want to be clear, like, um, this actually is not a unique instance in that case. In fact, the entire history of the drug war in this country is replete with um, examples of Again, law enforcement agencies or individuals who are corrupted and become involved in the very um, illicit sort of businesses that they're there to police and, and stop. So in that sense, this is nothing new, unfortunately. However, <laughs> it is new, uh, relatively speaking, for our agencies. Uh, I'm not aware of a really active history of anything here at this level, Um and, and also, I think it's shocking in the sense that um, the extent and the sort of brazenness of the illegal activity here, and frankly, the fact that it's uh, uh, 
dealing in the very substance that not just our law enforcement agencies, but law enforcement agencies all over the country have been essentially uh, uh, using as a, a fear campaign, uh, some of it legitimate, some of it not, um, uh, again, over the, the, the quote-unquote scourge of fentanyl use in the country. And, and this is a real social problem. Um, you know, uh, it, it's one of the contributions, it's one of the contributing factors to our declining uh, uh, life expectancy in this country. So in fact, right now, uh, we are at a shocking uh, uh, downward trend when it comes to life expectancy across demographic groups and, 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 and all other uh, uh, variables. And, and at this point, we have reached the equivalent life expectancy that we had in 1996. So we've actually regressed a great deal, while the rest of the industrialized world um, ha- has not necessarily matched that same pattern. And one, uh, sort of two of our main contributors to that trend are uh, overdose deaths, largely having to do with uh, uh, opioids and gun violence, uh, largely impacting young folks. So it's not to say that this isn't a problem, but it's to say that uh, law enforcement agencies across the country have been really using this discourse around fentanyl to argue for why they need more funding, why we need more police, why we need, uh, ironically, harsher penalties toward dealers. I mean, we've heard all kinds of rhetoric from our law enforcement agencies around you know, a uh, uh, dealer should be getting the death penalty if it results in, in folks overdosing. So uh, in that sense, it is shocking, right? Because of, the, again, the the just sheer hypocrisy of it, uh, the, ex- the, the sort of level and extent of the sort of embracedness of the criminal behavior. Um, and and again, as I'm sure we'll talk about and, and others, others have written in editorials and in other articles at this point, um, you know, just the shock that it was able to go on for so long under the nose of an agency that's supposedly prioritizing policing this very activity. So, absolutely, yeah. Well, thank you for that additional context. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, let's go to the next question. I mean, we, we're we're talking about the San Jose Police Officers Association, which is the union that represents something on the order of eleven hundred, you know, police officers in the San Jose Police Department. Um, they've given a lot of money to a lot of different candidates, different measures, and um, political efforts over the years, and they have they have wielded a lot of influence, uh, to to say the least. But what kind of responses have you seen um, in this first week and a half or so from elected leaders in the city and region? And do you think the POA's political influence is playing a role in how these leaders are responding to this, you know, to this very serious set of allegations? Uh, well, I will just share my own observation. Uh, so my my observation so far is uh, we've heard very little from our elected officials. Um, considering the fact that this is a national news story immediately. Um, uh, so the mayor came out and made a, made a, a statement. Um I'll let others judge as to whether or not that was a sufficient statement. Um, you know, the POA was essentially forced, obviously, to make some statements, as as was uh, Chief Mata. Um, but I, I am not aware of other elected officials coming out really and saying anything, which I think is pretty surprising to everybody. Uh, I mean, whether you're a conservative official who's been crying out every orifice of your face about how this is such a scourge and it's a scourge on our streets and a scourge in our homeless populations and it's making everything dangerous for everybody, our kids, our schools, our cops. Where are you on this? 
Shouldn't you be the first people out in front of this to say, we're going to root this out from our agencies. We're going to root this out of our communities. I want the public to notice that none of those people have anything to say right now. And And you should ask yourself, if that's the case, are they really dedicated to the things that fly out of their face every day? And on the progressive side, also, mum's been the word. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to make any presumption as to why. I mean, that's all up for these elected officials to decide. But yeah, I mean, we find it interesting that, again, this was a national news story, but no one has anything to say. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, you know, are we all supposed to assume that we're just going to continue business as usual then with taxpayer dollars? And, and that's, of course, where our coalition has to step in and, and, and speak for the, the rights and the interests of the constituent public. Yeah. And let's, uh, let's go to that question. Uh, we'll actually, we'll get to a question about, about what your coalition has been asking for in just a minute here. I'd like to take it to another route here. Um, you know, going back to what you said about how did this happen? Um, and how was it allowed to happen, right? The POA has said, you know, first of all, they are supporting the federal investigation, right? They're cooperating um, ever since the federal um, authorities they have, have no choice. their offices. Yes, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> they have no so, choice. They're cooperating with that investigation, and uh, they have said they're doing their own internal investigation into the allegations surrounding Segovia. And before that investigation was even complete, the POA has said to, to me and to many other media outlets, it is certain that no other employees, no other, no one else, uh, you know, in the civilian employee ranks of the POA and no other police officers who are members of the POA um, were involved or aware of this behavior. So my question to you is just, do you buy that? Do you buy that um, very early and clear statement from them that this was an isolated thing? Well, the, the point is, is both me and the public, like for all of us, uh, we shouldn't have to, whether or not we buy it should be beside the point. Is it right? Like we should not be in like, that's the exact, that's the point of demanding an independent investigation, right? We should not be put in a position at this point in the game, given what we know so far to be what trusting. So we're going to rely on trust now. Why should we do that? To even ask that, I mean, not, not for you to ask that question, but for that to even be posed to the public at this point in the conversation just demonstrates how unserious they are. I mean, it's just to be frank, right? I mean, uh, so I would just kind of pose the question, give me one good reason why, forget me, anybody in the public at this point should trust that organization to do their own internal investigation when they, the whole point of our shock is that this has been going on under your nose the whole time. Like how tone deaf do you have to be? How, how little self-awareness do you have to have to seriously pose that question given this context? Well, I mean, it's really, it's, it doesn't even deserve a response. Well, I think I, I, I appreciate mean, the response here. And I, I think it segues, you know, I mean, it does, segues nicely, segues nicely into our other question. Yeah. And a- by absolutely. the way, that, that's exactly what you're going to see in the, in the top editorial in the Merck today. It's exactly what Judge Cordell said in, in your outlet as well. I mean, like, I am not the only one that is pointing out this obvious point. 
right? So that, frankly, that has to be laughed at. I mean, that's that's my only response. I mean, to suggest that at this point, the public is then going to trust them to do the internal investigation is like literally laughable. Yeah, and I appreciate your response and 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 being so clear about you know where you stand on this. I think it's it's a helpful it's helpful to be to to speak in real terms. Um, you and several other community organization uh, leaders gathered just a few days ago recently to call for greater accountability and transparency um, in response to this whole drug smuggling case. I think now is a good time in our conversations if you wouldn't mind just taking us through some of these main asks or main demands um, that you. Uh, other groups like the NAACP of Silicon Valley, the Asian Law Alliance, uh, your your institute, the Human Rights Institute at San Jose State University. What what are what are we what are you asking for here? Sure. So I want to make a couple of things really clear because what we're asking for is as important as what we're not asking for, and and you'll understand that here in a second. So to be ex- really precise and clear about about what we're saying here as a coalition, first, we in we absolutely believe without hesitation or exception that every single employee, not just public employee, private employee, public employee, has a right to unionize, has a right to choose a union, you know, organize it with an, uh, uh, an umbrella organization of their choice and collectively bargain with those organizations how they see fit, period, full stop. In addition, we also believe that everybody, right, deserves their day in court. What we're talking about are still uh, alleged. These are these are alleged uh, uh, complaints that will again have their day in court. That said, enough information has been released through this federal in- investigation to trigger uh, what we feel needs to be a very swift action on behalf of the public to protect their interests, protect public safety, and frankly, to protect the use of millions of dollars in taxpayer money. Right, so. That's where we should see our questions and demands being inserted in the conversation with that precision, right? So given those things, there are two questions essentially that, we, that we're proposing to whoever can supply the answers, right? Some of these are going to come out perhaps in, during the federal investigation. Some of these answers may come out in an independent investigation that we are also joining the call for. Some of them might come out from the good work of journalists like yourself, right? But these are the questions that need to be addressed for the, pub, for the, the sake and the safety of the public. The first question is, it should be obvious, and it's what everybody, frankly, is asking, which is, how extensive is this network? Who else is involved? I mean, we already know by definition it is a network. So we know that there are others involved. Now, whether or not those are folks in these law enforcement agencies, we don't know. We have no idea who and how expansive this network is. So clearly we need to know that. In addition, now getting more specific for our folks, who in our public agencies and law enforcement agencies also knew about this activity or were in positions to know about this activity. This is extremely important for all of the, the, the reasons that we've already discussed. If there is further corruption here, that needs to be rooted out. And if there are levels of serious incompetence here in terms of how the hell did nobody know this was going on for eight years, we need answers on how that's the case too. If there's supposed to be any ongoing trust that these agencies are going to be the ones to take care of this problem. The second question is a little more specific and has to do with a more specific history of the NAACP's involvement in some of these cases in the past is our sort of more specific question around, is there, are there any connections between this 
and uh, uh, the use of, of opioids uh, in our police departments, evidenced by the overdose death of Dijon in, in 2022, uh, Dijon Packer in 2022, who, by the way, was also a beloved SJSU student and football player. Like, like, like this was a huge blow to like the San Jose State and, bl- and black local community, right, when, when that happened. And uh, frankly, there's a lot of folks that believe that, that – uh, there was more to say around that investigation and, and, and around what happened there. So uh, we're not making any uh, accusations or assertions there, but we think it's only responsible for us to ask this question, given what's come to light. You know, are there connections between these really troubling cases of young officers die, dying of overdoses and and this this uh, distribution, which I think we think should be an obvious question. So these are the questions that we're asking, right, that we, we think need to be answered. And then in terms of a demand, uh, you heard our our colleagues at Debug come forward with the coalition demand that the city now has to take this seriously, and we don't think at this point in the game it makes sense for the city to be negotiating millions and millions of dollars of taxpayer funds with an organization that's caught up in this kind of investigation. It, again, it is police officers' prerogative. If they want to continue working through the SJPOA to negotiate their contract, that is their prerogative. But there are other units. There's the FOP. There's possibility to create another organization if they so chose. There are other options for officers to collectively organize and bargain for contract. And the city is not bound by some federal law as to which one of those organizations they bargain with. So again, our demand is that the city has to take this seriously and and reconsider whether or not they can in good faith bargain millions of dollars of taxpayer money with an organization caught up in this kind of federal investigation. Well, thank you for the thorough response and for clarifying, you know, like like you said, what you are saying and what you are not saying. Speaking about that trust, um, you know, and you'd already touched on uh, the idea of lacking uh, trust in the internal investigation of the POA, just given the situation. Um, the POA has said just recently, we, you know, a press release came out late last night, earlier this morning, saying they're, they're going to be updating, uh, you know, uh, giving an update on the employment status of Joanne Segovia now that they've completed the first phase of their internal investigation, whether that means they're going to terminate her or or some other uh, action we don't know yet. Um, but it said it's also going to be hiring an investigator, an independent investigator to look into whether the organization's internal controls that they have now could have found her out sooner. And, and maybe, you know, I think there's an indication that they'd be open to possibly changing some of their internal controls. What, what's your thoughts on this, on this, uh, you know, this announcement? Uh, I'll say again, why in the world would they be allowed to be in the driver's seat of their own investigation? I just like, it is laughable. So you're going to hire your person. Okay, great. <laughs> no. It, independent outside investigation or no dice. That's our stance. I mean, there's just no, it is ridiculous to even consider otherwise. And it, you know what it reminds me of? This is Norfolk Southern trying to send their, their own investigators into East Palestine. To, to, right, like same play. No, 
No, why in the world would the people who caused the mess be trusted to stick to investigate the mess? Like old playbook, not going to fly. I don't understand why anyone's doing other than laugh at those kinds of suggestions. All right. Well, thank you for that response. Um, one of our last questions here is just kind of a, looking a little bit forward, right? Kind of opening the lens to, to the near future and maybe the, the long-term future. San Jose has um, had a tenuous relationship with its police force for many years. Um, obviously, some of these have been highlighted even more um, closely in the you know the past few years, including with the protests following the the murder of George Floyd. Um, but you know, this police officers association is made up largely of these 1,100 cops who do who do um, serve the community. How do you think this incident is going to affect these, you know, ongoing efforts by the city and leaders like Chief Mata and stuff to build community trust with police? And and how do you see what do you see as like the path to healing? You know, after you know, in the wake of this. I, I think this is another case where we need to apply a great deal of precision and and, and appropriate nuance. So I'm, I'm going to suggest, I don't think it's a good assumption to make at this point in the game that the SJPOA even represents all of the opinions and interests of our police officers. I think you might find in the coming weeks that some other narratives might be coming to light. You might find that internally there are also issues, perhaps, with that organization. So I don't want anyone to assume right now that somehow critici- criticisms of the SJPOA are following this really hard line of folks criticizing cops and cops. This is not culture war. This is not some culture war bullshit. This is a very real, serious case that many police officers are taking very seriously as well. And I think we will find that the discourse on this is not going to be that real clear-cut culture war bullshit. It, it won't be, I, I guarantee. Right? So, so I want to make that real clear. Right? Again, it is police officers' prerogative. If given this scandal and whatever else comes of it, they continue to organize under that organization. That is not their only option. That is not the only opinion out there, not just among reformers, but among officers, right? So, so I want to be, I want us to be real clear about that, that this is not just like, you know, this real easy, you know, people who love cops and people who hate cops. And that's just all this is. No, that would be an absolutely inaccurate read on what is happening and what I think you're going to see happen over the course of the next couple of weeks. So saying saying that um and you can ask others who are who have been involved like debug and 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 even judge cordell and others who have been involved in and witnessed sort of efforts for reform uh, in our region i can't say that sjpoa has had a history of being terribly open to or helpful in trying to establish meaningful and useful reform when it comes to public safety in our communities so, I, I mean, there are many of us that, I, I don't know, I, I guess it's anyone's guess as to what this would mean in the future, but, but, you know, perhaps we could think about that organization's role when it comes to progress, right, and whether or not they've been terribly helpful. 
um, I'll let others offer that analysis. All right. Well, thank you very much, William. I really appreciate the thoroughness of your responses and and um, and the clarity with which you're bringing to the conversation. So, um, anything else you'd like to add uh, before we wrap up here about this entire situation or your views on it? No, I, I guess I just um, I want to thank uh, uh, you know the organizations in our coalition. Um, so you know my my partners, at NAACP, you know Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet, Silicon Valley Debug. Uh, 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 Asian Law Alliance. I mean, we have, we have, we have a huge coalition of folks that have really been working to come together. And I, I want to also say too, um, earlier I, I said that there weren't local uh, uh, officials coming out. There is an exception. You'll note that at our press conference, uh, there was a Gilroy councilwoman who spoke, spoke very passionately uh, about how furious she was and her constituents are about the fact that they are really paying the price for the fentanyl uh, a problem in terms of overdose death. I mean, she had even spoke, she said, you know, just this week she was meeting with, you know, three separate families of folks who had died. And, and, she, and she drove all the way up for our press conference. And again, she's been the only local public official, to our knowledge, that's really spoken publicly. And she spoke with absolute courage, passion, and, and, uh, 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 confidence on this issue. Um, so I would, I would, I just want to correct myself there that that, that, that is an exception and it's, it's a very, um, notable one from the uh, Gilroy councilwoman. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show today. And thanks for, thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you too, fam. Uh, good luck. And, and, uh, 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 thanks for having me. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Hello, Josh Bruce here, co-founder of San Jose Spotlight. Did you know that San Jose Spotlight is Silicon Valley's only nonprofit news organization? That's right. Our impact journalism is funded by generous readers like you. And this year, we have plans to expand our reporting to other cities in Santa Clara County. If you find value in our reporting, consider becoming a sustaining member today with a monthly or annual recurring donation by visiting our website, SanJoseSpotlight.com. Thank you. Well, welcome, Judge Cordell, to the show, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Joseph. I'm glad to talk to you. And we're glad to have you here. Um, let's jump right in. Our first question uh, that we want to know from you, even though we're a couple of weeks out now almost from these um, allegations becoming public, is what was your initial reaction to hearing about these drug smuggling charges against Joanne Segovia of the SJPOA? Initially, I was stunned uh, because of the gravity of the offenses and stunned by the fact that if indeed she committed these acts, they were done right in the SJPOA office and went on for such a long time. We're talking about a multi-year uh, drug smuggling operation right there um, carried out and frequently it appears at the SJPOA office. So, uh, And it raises the, the question, I'm sure for everyone, how in the world could this have happened and gone on for so long right there when uh, she's right there at their office. Absolutely, yeah. And and to that end, uh, our transitions well to one of our next questions. The POA has said, you know, pretty much from the beginning, they got a little bit of a heads up about this from federal investigators and, and immediately placed her on paid leave and started their own internal investigation. Um, and they've said that even before that investigation was complete, they had come out and said they are certain no other union employees no one else at the POA was involved or aware of this behavior. Are you buying that um, explanation and, and uh, from the POA's um, top people? 
Well, preliminarily, um, it's my experience having been the independent police auditor for the city of San Jose for five years that policing lacks transparency. And that's just an overall statement. And it's not just SJPD. So what is needed just in response to all of this is transparency. So when the SJPD says, uh, we're doing our own investigation, and even before we really finish it, we know nobody here was involved, that just raises all kinds of red flags for me. First of all, uh, the police should never investigate themselves. If they're doing an internal investigation, there's no accountability. Uh, And that's why independent oversight is so important, especially for something like this. Um, And secondly, there's a big concern if you haven't even finished your investigation, your own, and you know already no officers were involved or knew about this in any way, that's problematic. You, you don't arrive at conclusions uh, from an investigation until you have completed the investigation. So that's yet another reason why the public should not trust what's coming out now about their conducting their own investigation. Uh, so I find it troubling. And if anything calls for transparency, this particular incident does. Thank you for that response. Um, you know, let's let's move on to what we've heard from the POA just today. They, you know, they've come out recently, and we're still learning about this at this moment uh, that they've completed the first phase of their internal investigation and are are firing Joanne Segovia, um, the person who's accused of this. They also said that they'll be hiring an outside investigator to look into whether the organization's you know internal controls could have found her out sooner. I mean, do you, do you have any initial response to this? I know this is um, preliminary info at this moment, but uh, what would be your response to that to that statement by the POA? Uh, with respect to the firing of, of this woman, uh, it should have happened five, eight years ago. So uh, if it was appropriate for them to do it, the question comes up, why didn't they do this quite a while before? Um, and, and secondly, on an outside investigation, um, that's consistent with my concern that there be some oversight. The question is, who did they hire? Is it somebody who formerly worked for SJPD or formerly held a position in the Police Officers Association? If those individuals are involved, no, then I don't trust that. I think independent should mean someone outside of SJPD, outside of policing, who, who can come in and look at everything. So I hope, I'm not, I'm not saying that's not what they've done, but they should be telling the public, here's who we've hired to do this oversight, to do this outside investigation, and here's, who, here's the background and credentials of this person. I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, I think, they, I think that announcement may be coming in the, in the coming days. Not, they certainly haven't laid that out today. And also, again, goes to the question of like you're talking about with the credibility is if you are paying the investigator, is it independent? Should it be completely removed from the POA apparatus? Um, The San Jose Police Officers Association has, of course, over the years and over decades even has wielded a lot of political influence in San Jose in the region at large. Um, What kind of responses have you seen so far from the elected leaders in the city, the county, the state, you know, who have connections to San Jose? Um, so far about this, uh, you know, this case against Joanne? And do you think the POA's political influence is playing a role in what responses we are seeing? Generally, police associations, they don't call themselves unions, but in fact, um, we refer to them as unions. Police officer associations around the country um, are historically 
very strong in the sense that they have influence in the political arena. Why? Because they have a lot of money and they get that money from their dues paying officers to influence uh, elections, to influence politicians. Uh, So uh, SJPOA is no different. Um, So I have not heard yet any officials weighing in other than I believe the the mayor said that um, he has a concern about it and that's about it. So um, I do not know if the lack of um, outside the politicians being speaking out about this is due to the fact that, well, they've got other things on their plate or because they're concerned that they don't want a negative reaction from the POA. Yeah, it is a, a tough line for some of them to walk. Certainly some active elected Politicians in our in our city in our region have taken support from the POA even at the state level. Others have been opposed by them, and, and you know, Matt Mahan was one of them. But was just out earlier this week calling for doubling the hiring of uh, doubling the rate of hiring police officers with uh, Chief Anthony Moffitt. So certainly there may be a, a mix of connections there. Um, I, I'd also like to ask you about what we saw earlier this week, which was calls from a group of community organizations, a coalition, if you will, the NAACP of Silicon Valley. Asian Law Alliance, Black uh, Leadership Kitchen Cabinet, and SJSU Human Rights Institute, all calling for various things. But uh, among them, chief among them would be, you know, that the city stop its negotiations with the SJPOA as an organization uh, because of, in light of the allegations, and that, you know, all elected leaders and those maybe considering runs for office just refuse support from this organization going forward now that there are these clouds of, of, of allegations around that organization. But what is your response to those kinds of calls for action or calls for, you know, um, politicians to take steps going forward? Well, first, I'm glad that there are organizations in the community that care about this issue and are concerned in speaking out. Um, So if if one of their demands or requests is that the city halt its negotiations with SJPOA until this uh, incident is thoroughly investigated, and I hope by an independent um, people uh, or person, I, I don't think that that's inappropriate. I think it's something that the city should do, which is like, put the brakes on everything. Let's find out what actually happened. It is my hope that no officer uh, was involved at all or had any knowledge about this. And uh, if that's the case, fine, then continue with negotiations. But I think it's entirely appropriate. You have an entity that is negotiating. There's a lot of money at stake. So much money uh, comes out of the San Jose City budget for policing. So you want to make sure that that money is going to an organization um, that supports officers, but an organization that has nothing to do with any kind of criminal conduct, or even if not engaged in criminal conduct, had knowledge, did nothing, yes, I think that absolutely should factor into how the city responds to the POA in the negotiations. Thank you for that response, Judge Cordell. Um, looking a little bit forward toward the f- near future and maybe the longer term future, San Jose has had uh, at large a tenuous relationship with its police force, um, certainly more delicate at certain times, like in the past few years, Really, tensions have come to the surface during the um, protests following the murder of George Floyd uh, and and other events. And there's been efforts to build community trust uh, with police and vice versa. How do you think this incident, these allegations are affecting these like multi-year efforts to build community trust with police? Um, This 
incident, sadly, I think is a setback. Uh, when And I think Chief Mata, I, I, I know him. I think he's a good and decent person. But I, I'm sure he is saddened by the fact that this incident now has occurred. Um, because what people need most, if you're going to build trust between law enforcement and community, is transparency. If you're transparent, if you say, this is who we are, uh, this is what we do, and this is what happened here, people are more willing then to engage in trust and law enforcement. So just as, a, as, as one example, right after this incident took place, uh, the POA decided it was appropriate to change its website, uh, meaning I, before early on, I should say just maybe when this hit the news, I could go on and look up SJPOA and I could see the actually photographs of its board of directors and I could see its officers. If you go on now, and I have done that, and if you want to look at staff or board of directors, what you get, you get an image when you click on both that says guest area and you need a password. So right away, the response has been less transparency and basically uh, pulling the shades down uh, and we're not going to even let you know who we are in these positions. That is absolutely, in my view, the wrong way to go. They should be doing just the opposite and making these folks available so we know who they are. Uh, so if we talk about is, is what's happening and how the POA was handling this, is this building trust? No. Is the fact that they're having their own internal investigation going to build trust? No. Uh, there needs to be independent oversight. Just as there is the independent police auditor that has oversight over police officers, uh, they need to have someone from the outside, and maybe they have, and I hope they have, but we, the public, need to know who is conducting this in investigation. And whoever is giving them advice that they should take their website, take down everybody's names, take down photos, and you have to use a special password to even find out anything about the SJPOA. In my view, that is a big mistake. Thank you for that comment and for the clarity with which you're bringing you know, uh, your, your positions here. We appreciate that. And, and also would like to just ask you going forward, and just so we, just sort of for the record, I should note that we did invite the San Jose Police Officers Association's uh, spokesperson and or their president, John Pritchard, onto this uh, podcast episode, they, they declined. Um, we, we have spoken to them for several other interviews, but even as this incident was starting, we'd heard from the POA that they are not trying to hide anything, that they are just as shocked as everyone else. Um, these actions that you've described that we've seen on the website as well, with uh, seemingly trying to make things less public and less available, do seem to fly in the face of that. Uh, Judge Cordell, what do you see potentially, I think you kind of touched on it a bit at the end of your last statement, as the potential path to healing here? Uh, you know, longer lens, what, what is going to be needed going forward uh, to help kind of establish uh, or reestablish trust in the community um, in light of all of this, which could have a long tail of, of, like you said, investigations and discussions for months. So overall, what needs to happen is increased transparency about this whole um, affair. But even more than that, um, there needs to be an acknowledgement that they did not have the procedures or protocols in place that would allow this woman to, and again, assuming she committed these acts, and I am going to presume she's innocent. So hypothetically, assuming she did commit these acts, um, 
they need protocols and procedures in place to ensure that this doesn't ever happen again. Uh, so, for example, uh, were they getting boxes coming into that SJPOA office uh, from different countries with labeled wedding favors? Um, if so, no one paid attention. Was this woman, uh, was she a wedding planner? No. Uh, did she have some sort of side hustle? We don't know. Uh, but, but it seems like nothing was raising concern. Um, so... It's important that there be protocols in place and audit some way that this money that they are raising is audited. It's my guess they also, um, because most police officer associations do this, they solicit donations from the public if they have a foundation or even for whatever. So people from the public who are giving them money need to be assured about where the money's going, how it's being spent. Some of that money some money uh, from the officer's dues. And if I were a police officer, I'd be concerned, by the way, if I'm a member of the rank and file, was used to pay her salary. That money was giving this person um, the wherewithal to make a livelihood and to enable her to engage in this behavior. So um, that's what I hope will happen and that those protocols, procedures, audits should all be made public. Even though the POA is not an entity, a department of the San Jose, the city of San Jose, it still is comprised of police officers, the rank and file. So while there is no city um, entity available to audit them, uh, that should not excuse them from being very public about their own procedures, and I hope they will be. Thank you, Judge Cordell. We really appreciate the comments. Uh, just before we close, is there anything you'd like to add, anything that I didn't ask that you'd like to mention here at the end of our um, podcast episode? Um, I The only thing I, I, I want to close with is that I um, want to believe, and I generally believe in that most people are good people, and there are people who do bad things. And it's my hope that there is no one involved in the SJPOA um, who was involved in any way with this drug smuggling operation or knew about it and did nothing. It's my hope that that is not the case. But if it is the case, um, that be, those behaviors need to be addressed and um, people need to be held accountable. And I hope that there will not be just this internal investigation where they're investigating themselves, that they have someone from the outside who is reputable and trustworthy, who will hold everyone accountable. And going forward, I hope the SJPOA will be much more transparent, that they will uh, change their website so that we can know exactly who they are and what it is they're doing. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Judge Cordell, and for sharing your thoughts with us. We, we really appreciate it. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. I'm senior reporter Joseph Jiha. Thanks for listening and see you next time.